You're listening to the Periodic Table of Awesome podcast, bringing you the best of geek from week to week. Join your hosts, Dion and Quinny, and the occasional special guest as they talk movies, TV, gaming, toys, comics, and everything in between. In a world of legendary heroes, one man will rise to take all of the credit. This game has something that no one else will. Me. We go to work, 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 work. This is where the magic happens. Hey, can I get a coffee? I'm coming, Ryan! Everybody has that game that they fell in love with because they make an impact. Those games were somebody's legacy. Well, this is my legacy. Our legacy. Our legacy, whatever. It's not my legacy. <laughs> studies. What exactly is women's studies? It follows the experiences of women and the contributions they've made to... Inquiry withdrawn. Quick thing, um, I'm worried about the time. Yeah, David, I'm moving as fast as I can. It's not my fault that these watermelons don't explode like real heads. I can get you real heads. Not human. That's commitment. I built your vision. It's like you're this brilliant painter, and I'm your favorite brush. I'm just some tool to create your masterpiece. I like that metaphor, but it's not quite right, is it? I Are think you seriously you... about to noodle on my metaphor right now? Hello. Hello. And welcome to the Periodic Table of Awesome. My name is Dion. Hello, Dion. I'm Quinny. Oh, that's great. Who are we joined by? Phil? Jo- you are Phil. <laughs> it's Jill. Hey. And Peter, hello. Hello. Welcome to the Periodic Table of Awesome. And today we are talking about a little show on Apple TV. Another show on Apple TV. Another one from the uh, over 200 streaming services that currently exist in America. <laughs> uh, this is another one from the, the, the cult of, I mean, sorry, from the, the uh, grounds of Apple. Um, <laughs> Were you going to say cult of personality? Because I feel like you were going to say cult of personality. The cult of Apple (laughs) is what we have uh, there. But I mean, all I want to say about it is uh, this is another show from Apple with a ridiculous name. Mythic Quest, colon, (laughs) Raven's Banquet. Yes. (laughs) Hyphen, the first part, series one, episode three. Hyperfighting. Dragon edition. Really confusing because I thought, hang on, is this like the second season and it's called Raven's Quest? Like you don't normally do that on your title. No, Mythic Quest (laughs) Raven's Banquet as 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 a leading isn't something that actually when you're trying looking for television, it's not a real search engine friendly show. No, (laughs) and it turns out that trying to tag them in social media is remarkably difficult (laughs) too. Um, Like remarkably difficult. So yeah, I, I've been trying to do that, and every time you like, is it Mythic Quest at Apple TV? Is it Mythic Quest Ravens Banquet? Is it Mythic oh Quest TV? I don't. It's I hate <laughs> it. I really hate it. But anyway, we're talking about it because it's very much in our our sort of wheelhouse. It's in our point of interest. So um, first of all, how did we come to be talking about it? I guess the point was that it was on Apple TV, and it was good. And um, we'd all, as opposed think, to see, I think like last yes, we, which was also on Apple TV, but was not good. Alas, we did not rate C very high <laughs> on this particular show. But I'm pretty sure, like 
with last week that the girls kind of clocked this one a while ago. We didn't get round to it for some time. When we told our friends on Facebook um, that follow the periodic table of awesome page that we we're going to finally review this show, the response was about time. <laughs> and mm. I agree. Uh, I thought this was a fantastic show. And I was really pleasantly surprised to find an Australian star and an Australian non-white star who don't get nearly enough kudos for all of the fantastic work that they're doing and making it big in America in Charlotte Nickdow. To so be we fair, decided to do the whole thing a watch. To, to be fair, I just, I want to say this show dropped at a time when there was a few other things going on. Yeah, February was a little busy. <laughs> Yeah, there's just a, there was a couple of things going on, so maybe that was a reason why we didn't actually think. Hmm, I wonder what's on television. At the well, moment. funnily enough, I did go and look at a bit of it on. I think it would have been in February. Um, uh, somebody said, "Ah, oh, we should probably watch this," and I had had a look at it. And after one episode, I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm good." Um, I, it didn't grab me. I'll, I'll be. Harsh. Yeah, no. Look, you know, I. Honestly, Quinny, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, I was not wrapped. No, no. The no. the first, you know, honestly, the first episode felt really, really uncomfortable, and it felt, yeah, I got the same sort of feeling from that as I did from watching um, uh, a Big Bang Theory. Ooh. You know. Yeah. Like trying really hard for laughs. Yeah, and and not doing that funny. That thing where you're saying oh, we're, we're making fun of this thing, even though we don't necessarily fully understand it. Like we're, we're of yeah. it, not in it, or we're, we're mm-hmm. about it, not in it. And that really kind of just made me uncomfortable. You've Did already had someone with agree you with you, Quinny. Oh, Sorry, yeah. Phil? Did, did that stay with you through the series or did that uh, impression that it was making fun of us, like laughing at, not with... Um, people who work in the pop culture community and industries, did that stay with you or evolve as you watched it, the rest of the show? It evolved um, because initially I, I kind of felt like, you know, it was it was made about game developers without ever having spoken to a game developer. Yeah, um, so interesting that you got that feeling because since we're talking about how this show came to be, can I tell you that Ubisoft came up with this concept and pitched it to the creators and were heavily involved all the way through. Their head of film and television is an executive producer on the show, and right. they had Deb on, in the writer's room the whole time and on set the whole time. Then, like, you know, well, I'm going to have to just throw my hands up and say, whoops. That's <laughs> 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 moment. But before you go any further, I should just stop you there. Um, Please, stop me before I hang myself entirely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so interesting, though, because what I loved about it, I found it really authentic. I don't usually like, I've said this on the periodic table of awesome before, I don't tend to like sitcoms and I don't like workplace comedies. This show is created by the team that made It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is after Aussie and Harriet, just about the longest running sitcom in American television history. It's, they're making season 15 this year, I think. Or I haven't seen it. Much like... Oh, Pat- Queenie! Oh, Queenie. <laughs> no, I, so, I, 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 I've tried up, watching a couple of episodes. I found it a bit ick and I just didn't keep going. This is... <laughs> it's Always Sunny? No, it's always sunny. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is not for me. Um, oh, it's for me because everybody's an asshole, and I love laughing at them. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely scum of the earth Arts people. And and it's hilarious. The office. Like Seinfeld, if it was full of psychopaths, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Workplace yeah. sitcoms are not my bag, and there's a particular. <laughs> 
sort of genre of American insult comedy. Yes. About mm. And also Charlie Day just screaming at people. Right. <laughs> Which is um, just what Charlie Day does and is brilliant right. at it. <laughs> so workmates being assholes together does yes. not entertain me. I've, I think I've worked in enough offices and deliberately I do not anymore yeah. to not want that in my life. <laughs> And so when I saw this, it's, it's just basically a workplace comedy, but it's set in the game development world. That's not usually the sort of thing I'd like. But I actually found it so authentic to all the stories I know from our game developer friends and peers and colleagues who we know mm. through PAX um, and who we know through the industry here in Australia that I found it really authentic and fun and also it touched on a lot of real issues. It didn't shy away from the issues in that industry like toxic fan communities like in fact i love that's one of my favorite characters is the person who is going <laughs> face to face with the toxic fan community constantly and you're whole, like there's a whole episode that's based on nazis come on <laughs> so it's like oh we got a nazi problem and it's not like it's just a nazi problem oh no let's devote a thing it's like an acknowledgement from people who've done it. it's like oh yeah we've got nazis it, we everyone gets nazis eventually like it's, it's a bit like nits <laughs> Yeah. Um, no. Although highly, I hope it's not as transmissible as NHTSA. Um, so toxic fan communities, the lack of representation in production with female and um, game developers of colour, yes. um, crunch culture, like all of this mm -hmm. stuff that's real. It didn't gloss over any of the shitty things about working in that industry, which it otherwise might have done, considering that this was Ubisoft's original idea that they brought to the people at Three Arts, which is the company that made... It's always sunny in Philadelphia. And of course we have the um, lead character that plays Iron Grimm, um, Rob McElhinney, who's your, um, one of your stars and your creators from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So Ubisoft brings it to Three Arts, which is owned by Lionsgate, and that's how we get the yeah. show. But I thought it was authentic and you didn't. What do we... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I had a similar experience to Quinny um, in, in the first episode in that, to be honest, if you hadn't been excited about it, I probably wouldn't have kept watching. But I think mm. it's probably for a different reason because this isn't my space. I'm adjacent to this space. I know a lot of people who, who belong to this space. Um, but it, it wasn't an authenticity issue. I just think, it, you know, like what you were just saying, fell about office comedies uh, a lot of the characters are, are kind of hard to like and I just found it a little bit you know tough to get on board with um, coming in cold from the first step but um, I think that that did evolve the more I watched it because you know very much like The Office which I did enjoy um, it does become about kind of loving the screwed upness of the characters and and what are they going to do next uh, but also you know I'm not in the space but I am adjacent to the space so a lot of the stuff that that uh, was called out re lack of representation and that kind of thing really rang true <laughs> oh have you never have you never encountered a egomaniacal producer or creative and, 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 yes and working enough. in the film no industry. we never have but it was just one thing that was mine what have you come to it <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that was a theme that I enjoyed in this as well about when you have created a piece of art or you, something that you're proud of that you've birthed creatively and the way that commercialization and the profit motive just completely corrupts 
that creative integrity and how far and how hard are you going to sell out? Oh man. Particularly uh, if your entire job is bringing somebody else's creative vision to life. I was, yeah. I was terrified to watch uh, evil Abed because the, <laughs> the uh, head of uh, Danny Pudi who's playing uh, Brad, the head of monetization, like they don't even call it like some marketing executive thing. It's no. like, what's his, what's my job? My job <laughs> is to, is to take your art and make it, saleable and sell pieces of it and you know um, what i loved his character so much and i feel like he just didn't get enough airtime as some of the other characters i would have loved think, to th have yeah. explored him a bit more i think i think this is the series like just uh, as a whole um yeah it does have a lot of sort of stumbles as you're going through yeah. like i found every every sort of person has great things about them and then also not so great things about them that we don't really mm. learn it in a nice flow like yeah they're not juddery... entirely fleshed out by the end of it yeah no but, and i think dion you make a really good point about them there's sort of a lacking flow sometimes where yeah. you never really get a good run on with a, a series of stuff for anything other than poppy and iron but everybody yeah. else kind of comes in dribs and drabs and you're kind of like, I'm, I, I don't know whether to get invested in that character because yeah. they may not show up for two episodes. And, and that's the thing. I don't know if uh, this is a problem with, with every sort of sitcom or comedy that you, you sort of put out there. You need to establish yourself in this space and say, this is what this show is and will people fall along with you? And in this one, I, I, I say by the end of this first season, I still don't really know what kind of comedy idiots mm. but i do know that i did enjoy the frustration of the characters that went on and yeah i'll, I'll say it wasn't actually until they took a real uh, like I, in in terms of the whole series i wasn't sure about it for the first four then episode five takes a complete fucking turn and you know and what was it was my it. favorite episode yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah, absolutely my favorite episode too, and it is a complete <laughs> separate narrative story yeah. completely and then when it came back from that and it and it did everything in the last half of the first season i was like oh i can get where this this wants to go now even though that fifth episode of dark quiet death is just never really resolved well, <laughs> it, it, like, it is it's a real buckle episode isn't it but yeah. it's it's so like tonally completely different, and yeah. you know it it, yeah. it shifts gears comedy wise. It shifts like uh, you know it's a bottle mm. episode. The characters are completely different. But but I would have loved to have seen the whole series in that format. Same, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's where I was kind of like, hang on, that's the show that I'm interested in. That's the show yeah. Yeah. that I, I kind of drama. Well, a little heavier on the drama, but like it's still asking the same questions. But it's just mm. a little less cartoony. Like, yeah. I, I think mm. the fact that, you know, those characters you actually understood as being a lot more multi-level mm. and layered, um, whereas the other ones sort of become very much, you know... Just caricatures. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. the show's already going to suffer from the inevitable comparisons to the one major touch point that I didn't mention before, which is Silicon Valley. Oh, yeah, is. and I think I found myself comparing it to Silicon Valley too much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I haven't. I, I enjoyed what I watched of Silicon Valley, but um, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. And, and I did. I managed to kind of keep it quite separate. I mean, I find it it's stylistically very different. Um, it's it's a slightly different kind of comedy. Silicon Valley, you know, leans a little bit more heavily on taking itself and its characters seriously, where this is a lot more fun 
Um, you know, you, you don't get the feeling that um, they're supposed to, at this stage of the development of the story, be fully fleshed out, deep mm. characters with histories. I mean, I imagine if this is a kind of series that, that can keep running, mm. so you, you know, very much like, for example, The Office, um, mm. all of those characters started out as characters and ended up much loved. Um, I, it's just not the kind of comedy, you know, comedy drama is fantastic and my favourite thing in the world, but I didn't dislike this for not being that. I think my argument with that would be that the way that the first episode starts, it introduces everybody's character through a commercial and mm. it's established that this is a long-running game and that they're producing a new DLC. Um, so for me, like, it kind of felt like, well, this is an already established company these characters as new people maybe we should be coming in like entry level with the game itself too yeah. so that's the whole um uh banquet thing wait what's it called again dinner party an extension to the game that they're working on so yeah. almost from the very title they're setting you up to be like you know to, to feel like this is an installment in these people's lives not right, that you're the jeopardy when they're already up. a successful company it's not like say yeah. silicon yeah. valley where we're thinking are they going to blow this entire thing again and but then, mm. then you have that becomes formulaic and repetitive because we have the same yeah. jeopardy every season each time so i mean i, I, I think I mean, you're right structurally with that issue yes yeah, so sort of like sub not sub editing but sub writing this or writing in hindsight i would have gone through this entire like uh, structural episode um, section of it and just in each episode of this season I would have focused on the backstory of how each of these main characters came to be working in the show in in this I want to know yeah. who the fuck hired CW Longbottom <laughs> <laughs> and F. why Murray did he Abraham. just hang around like why is he still there he was hired by Iron Grimm because he was the writer of Iron's favourite science fiction um, books from the 70s like, he grew up with because yeah, he was Quiddy from a troubled Jesus I you have did a you guy... even watch <laughs> no, did but you Quiddy, I agree <laughs> why is this guy there paid to be there every day if he's yeah, a story writer. Like, the, he's written the, the story. Writer might not hang around. Why? And I think that, that was one of the things that actually kind of didn't ring true for me because <laughs> we've worked with writers for games and stuff like that, and the idea that you would literally have an alcoholic writer sitting in an office... Just um, in case someone gets something yeah. written. And yeah. bothering everyone. Yeah, it's just <laughs> a bit weird. Is kind of... Uh, and I, I kind of see that it? as a bit of a character note, like it doesn't have anywhere else to be. Yeah. So there True. he is. There was like an episode where he was coming out of a closet, so it's obviously that he lives in this warehouse yes. as well, but like he didn't get explored and that was kind of annoying. Yeah. 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 And and I don't know, and there are other characters like the the two game testers, Ashley Birch. Um, oh my god, Ashley Birch. Right, but like, this, yeah, <laughs> I know, these right? These are the great opportunities because <laughs> the most incredible cameos that they have yes. in the show. So F. Murray mm. Abraham, that's just ridiculous that you have an actor like high Salieri. actor like yes. him, exactly, in a fun <laughs> Apple TV show about game development. Ashley Birch, who is a mm -hmm. famous, famous voice actor in video games and a bunch Ooh. of other things. Jill, do you want to tell us? Famous for killing that, at least one character on Critical Role really badly. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, Badly. <laughs> but no, she's um, most noted for um, Aloy and um, Tiny Tina 
you guys are familiar with Borderlands oh, and yeah. um, what's the other one? Uh, uh, yeah, Aloy. The yeah, Aloy from uh, that game with the, the robot dinosaurs. <laughs> forgotten, I've forgotten. I'm my name is Zero Dawn. Yes, Zero Dawn. That's it. Thank <laughs> you. Fake nerds. So we are both uh, fake nerds. Oh, you know, she also wrote a bunch of Adventure Time, which brings us to yes. the magnificent John DiMaggio, who appears as a ca- in a cameo as the head of a rival developer that is possibly going to headhunt poppy and it's actually this rare and lovely character in a series like this like a genuinely nice person who runs a decent shop i I love that is john because john who is a giant personality is probably the most underplayed in the entire fucking show yeah like he's the one who's just kind of playing it real and just going Right. Okay, well, yeah. well, that's the sort of thing. Like, I mean, this this uh, Mythic Quest Ravens Banquet, the, the the studio is that runs Mythic Quest is set up as basically an egomaniacal cesspit of <laughs> craziness that is frustrating for everyone who works there, even though they have a very popular game, and that it it balances that by showing that not all game companies are like that. Like, right. not everything this this can be a little bit different, and that that's an interesting sort of tangential experiment i just think it's it's strange that we're asked to you know focus in on this one game company and then not really look at anyone else's space like you don't really get um, to meet other people we get a glimpse into the a lot of expectations for a, a, a half hour comedy series that has like what 10 episodes at the moment less no And the tenth will be coming out in two days' time. Yes, the quarantine episode, which is apparently all done via uh, iPhone. This basically, Zoom. They shot it on iPhone. (laughs) Which is ballsy and exciting and very Mm. interesting to see. And that's one where the writing's going to have to stand up. To to your point, Peter, um, it's very ambitious to want that much character development from different characters in different companies in a from half, a comedy of this style. Hour, um, exactly. Really, this 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 kind of comedy only works if you focus on a small group of characters. I mean, think of a lot of the things that we were talking about. Um, you know, last week when you think about Parks and Rec, when you think about The Office, you know, they work because Rick. you uh, that's a problem that we have to rectify. But that's yeah, for later. I know, I know, I know. Um, they, they work because um, you have a core group of characters uh, that um, each you know have have their own character note that fuels the humor in their storylines at least for the very beginning of the development of these shows uh, that's how they work and that's how they're written if if you try to add too much it's going to turn into an absolute mess Uh, although I I would really love to see um, something like this run for a little bit more time where you they can actually develop it to the point where where they're bringing in other factors you know i i agree with mm. you Dion. i'd love to see a little bit more about what's happening in other game companies and and yeah. see more of the world and how these um comical characters are set against well okay so we all know that this is not quite as insane as it usually is but you know this is comedy and and this is what we're doing it's a this this kind of comedy always, you know, tends to lean on that idea of taking a character and then exaggerating the comical trait uh, mm-hmm. in them. Um, and hilariously, Iron in this series is is somewhat well, as they say, he bears an uncanny resemblance, physically at least, to the head of the Riot Games studio oh. <laughs> the creator uh, Brandon Beck. Fun so everyone was kind of like, huh, from League of Legends, like. <laughs> 
really a vastly popular independent game studio which has one person in charge. I wonder what that's like. Uh, just um, coming back to those cameo roles, and I mean, these are small parts, but well executed and those and some of them are kind of love to hate people so we we touched on ashley birch who also is the writer for adventure time wonderful john dimaggio who people know as the voice of jake the dog on adventure time or bender on futurama and here playing it very straight and very gently as this nice character um, there's also Craig Mazin who plays one of those video game testers that you were going to talk about quinny who's mm. right twat in this series <laughs> Yes. Can I just say that he looks a lot look like somebody we know? Mm. <laughs> Have you guys, you did you guys pick it up? Queen who, can, who shall remain nameless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll talk Craig about Bateman, that On the other hand, sure. is, I love, yep. I love him. Not? He is the creator of the Chernobyl TV series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. fair enough. And if you happened to like that series, there's a really fantastic <laughs> companion podcast with Craig Mazin talking about being the showrunner of the Chernobyl. But he doesn't Pro. sound like that at all. It's Although, very high quality, so he pops up as that tester. I think, um, but I, I actually, I, I feel really uh, upset that I haven't acknowledged uh, the 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 one and most important character I think in the entire series. Uh, mm -hmm. Australia's very own Charlotte McDowell, who plays Poppy Lee. Now, everyone Ooh. else in the show... <laughs> oh, 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 no, no, yes. no, no. Sorry, sorry, Quinny. There's a woman in the show, and you may not have seen her. I, 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 I'm sorry, I, I don't see colour or women or anything. <laughs> or anything. Or gender. And, and this, and I'm just, I'm blind. I'm physically blind. <laughs> I was I was quite uh, one of the nicest things about the show, like uh, was that this show presents itself in one certain way, and I think by the end of it, I found out no, this show is about Poppy. This show is about mm. someone who isn't a famous person in regards to the the rest of the world, but actually shows you someone who very deservedly should be the main character in a film. Yeah, and and the person who does the grunt work, who does the bulk of the heavy lifting and yeah. does you know the creative and emotional heavy lifting yeah. um and you you're watching her throughout the entire thing and and once again first episode i found her a bit much i just couldn't quite get on on board <laughs> with her super at all. neurotic I was so on board with poppy first episode i'm like i'm there for you poppy i'm with you I'm yeah i I, I couldn't that. quite get on board with her until later on in the series where suddenly i felt like she uh, and her particularly australian way of delivering lines and comedy <laughs> yeah. started to be allowed to come through so she wasn't delivering it like an american sitcom she was doing it in like an australian going what the fuck <laughs> and and also a perpetually uh frustrated um uh what well, i could say a workman that's stuck in a career in a creative agency you know it's kind of like this is a master carpenter who's who keeps talking to an architect who's like what i need is roofs <laughs> walks off <laughs> <I need> compound <laughs> blood <laughs> ocean <laughs> i need the pretentious fuckwit man child poppy is the one actually doing all the work which is not yeah. a workplace scenario that i've ever witnessed anywhere in my life definitely <laughs> no. just cutting to the australian scene peter and the producers that are making drama here do you think um that this show could have been made in australia and that any creative producers that make television here right now have ever played a game 
Uh, look, yes and no. I, I will say about about production in Australia that um, uh, I think that we do partic a particular brand of comedy drama really, really, really well. Um, but it's not this style of comedy. This is a very different style of comedy. It is it is quite American. Um, the the style of this, which I don't mean it's a bad thing, it's neither here nor there, but I, I find it hard to imagine something like this being produced in Australia. Mm. Uh, but I can certainly imagine something, a, a riff on this that <laughs> might be a, a little bit... Um, It'd be like a web series or something. Yeah. <laughs> have, you never, have you never come across the TTP ratio? Yeah. I, that, you know what? That's one of the bits that kind of started getting me in because I was like, I've never heard of that. Funny that you should mention sense. that. I bet it's a real thing. I've <laughs> yeah. actually got a clip of that right here, which we can just uh, go to. Tell us Let's what find it is. Out what's, no, 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 it'll be explained in the clip, but uh, find out all about the TTP. No, I don't, I don't want the shovel to kill people. I just want it to dig. Dig? Do you have any idea what the TTP on an item like this is going to be? Yeah, it's going to oh, be like... Uh, TTP, guys, is time to penis. It's the time it takes for a uh, player to use a new item to make a penis. Yes, I know what TTP is. Yeah, David, stop mansplaining. They're not gonna, they're not gonna make dicks, Ian. You give the public a shovel, they dig dicks. You give them a pen, they draw dicks. You give them some clay. Definitely gonna sculpt dicks. Ian. Yeah, that's it. You give the public a shovel, they're gonna dig dicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Give them any sort of tool and they're gonna make a dick out of it. Well, I like famous. that scene. I like that scene for multiple reasons. I liked it because I was like, that makes so much sense. Like, <laughs> yeah. Of course they have to think about that in games. Of course they do. Yeah. We have to think about it in a film. People can't like make things out of what I'm making. No. Um, but also I love how hard Poppy was trying to stick up for her idea. And, and if, there, yeah. if there is one character that really got me on board with this, it is, it is Poppy. I, yeah. You I didn't have, did, did you have any, uh, any connection to Joe, who was also in that clip, the <laughs> David's assistant? Look, and, she's uh, terrifying. <laughs> she is <laughs> fucking scary. Yeah. You know, she's one, I, I didn't actually, I really didn't get on board with her at, you know, as, as a character, but um, she did have, she had some moments that, that really worked. Um, but that, that was a bit of an, and an odd one. Um, but can I also just say, I don't know if you guys feel this, I just really, really enjoy seeing Australian characters played by Australian actors um, in a way that is not just for humour and parody and is, you know, is just allowed to, to be on its own and breathe, yeah. especially in a comedy, because we have some really funny people with really excellent timing. And, that, um, and that's what I was sort of saying before. I, I thought when she really settled into her, her own timing, that's when I felt like I was really enjoying her performance. Like the last half of the season, you could see she was much more comfortable just kind of doing things her way. And in a particular Australian cadence that didn't feel like whenever you try and say a line that is in another, in another person's or another language, when I, yeah, American. If you hear a British person try and say an American line like "What's up, buddy?" a British person sounds weird saying it. Yeah. And and when she was just doing Australian stuff, and but amongst the Americans, I was like, "This is something I haven't seen before, and I really dig it." Especially when she even snuck in a bugger off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just like yes. That is honestly, not I would an American. More of this show just for that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I would keep watching this now that now that I've kind of found its rhythm, I would keep watching it just for more poppy, to be honest. Yeah. I think yeah, I like... it's very watchable. And really it's the first time that we've seen a show about that, this exact industry. Like we don't have anything like this in Australia and I think it's taken a long time for it to happen in the US because the industry itself was nascent. So before you can mm. satirise it, you've got to have enough people, you know, coming and going through it and for it to develop its own stereotypes and its own tropes and the stuff that happens so that you can make a series about it at all. And um, I'm so glad that she's in it because I'd love to watch more of her because there just isn't anything like that anywhere else. There was maybe a web series once, but there's mm. no sitcom thing about the game industry that isn't I mean, it's tv series not a movie but that um that we've seen before so another character and, i enjoyed uh, was or was fascinated by was uh, dana or played by imani hakim um mm-hmm. who was the other game tester who then gets kind of pushed into mm-hmm. being a a web celebrity and that was one of the mm-hmm. areas that i once again had some kind of issues with believability on because the idea that somebody can just start streaming on Twitch and suddenly pick up millions of subscribers. Yeah. Not looking at our subscriber number down there or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> but the fact yeah, that they, they encountered somebody at a trade show that actually had subscribers mm. and was interested in the position to be usurped by somebody with no experience and no followers was interesting. Mm. I mean, like as as I think this this entire first season is very hit and miss with mm. some of those expectations, and you can see that like there must have been a, a constant kind of argument within uh, the writing of it or the understanding of like yes, we need to make television, yes, but this is what happens in the game industry, and where's the where's that blend point? Where's the bits where you can pull it and go that's something objectively funny, or objectively dark or darkly hilarious or terrifying or 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 other things in there and i think it 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 kind of worked and now it works ish and i like that it's getting better speaking of things which are objectively dark and terrifying now that we are in spoiler territory Uh, oh no we're not yet not yet we haven't even rated this no we've got to rate it we haven't even rated this yet we're not in spoiler oh can well should we do that now if you want to, do you have anything else you want to... Do we want to convince I, I, people? This is the thing. Yeah, well, I, I, I want to shout out to uh, the idea of Pootie Shoe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> objectively dark. Pootie yeah. Shoe. Uh, that, that is someone that I saw that character come on and I hated and said, what yeah. is this trash fucking fire of a TV show trying to appeal to... Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, it's that, that, that's an actual that's thing happened. in there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that one was, I hated to begin with, but the more I watched it, I went, oh God, it's actually real. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because they've got that influencer developer relationship thing that they talk about and they kind of touch on and this is something that's actually quite pervasive in the mm-hmm. gaming industry is that uh you want people to play your game how do you do that you get people to actually play it and engage with it and then you know like everything the world will find champions for that and other people will listen to those recommendations Mm -hmm. much like people listening to us Uh, (laughs) and as as very influential uh podcasters who have uh the hotline to hollywood uh (laughs) 
that we can... but you are and you do. And I will bring up the cool shites indexing in the uh, National Library of Australia in a minute. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Can't wait for all of that to be indexed further. But oh, no. yes, it exists. The, the, anyway. it, show, it shows it really nicely, like I think in Mythic Quest, where it is uh, that, that weird thing where it's a, as a nascent industry, you get a lot of power confined to some people who don't really understand what's going on and either that's the parents of the people who are doing the influencing the influencers themselves but also it's other... a symbiotic relationship yeah that the, the influencer needs the game to yeah. to be able to play and mm. something to actually show off um but the way that they interact with the game then in impacts upon the game and mm. that's something that i kind of thought oh that's you know doesn't seem particularly believable but you look at pewdiepie and you look at the big you know streamers out there and yeah that relationship is probably one of the most realistic and believable yeah. ones in in the thing even though it shat me up the wall and very and financial then mm. again how is that any different to how they were working with dana and why did she get vilified for it uh, because she's a lady yeah. of colour, but also because she is seen as being a corporate shill. Yes. And that's one of those ones where you're like, the, the, the worm turns so fast yeah. If, yeah. if you are perceived as being inauthentic. And I think it's bullshit, though, because yeah. Pewdie Shoe's doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And well, that's we're venturing into spoiler territory. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting as well how that um, story thread resembles the way that the show was even made because when Ubisoft pitched it to the um, team from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, those uh, the, the showrunners, Kelly Day um, and Co. They mm -hmm. went, we're not really sure if we want to make this because we don't want to be just making a big ad for Ubisoft and we don't want to make, we're not going to gloss over the nice elements, you know, the, the bad elements of the industry and make it look nice. And we're not going to be featuring Ubisoft games all over the place and kind of incorporating your stuff into it. And they were like, no, really, we actually want to co-create this show with you that isn't about that. But again, it brings those questions back. Where's the line between commercialism and artistic integrity? Where is the authenticity between enthusiasm from people like us who are consumers of pop culture and who are there to promote what we think is great but you know if people are being paid which we clearly aren't um we're, we're not getting paid <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys are getting paid um but where uh, you know what does that say about um the uh, the critical integrity of um the people that are reviewing games and stuff like that and you know as we oh, know, oh, do we want to go <laughs> down that path we not go into any further because uh, yeah, it's so, all about integrity in games um, <clears throat> anyone want to rate rate that right yes now? yeah yeah <laughs> what should we do um, okay i'll give it a rating i would like to give this 3.75 buttholes out of five <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that, that equates to a, a 75 out of So I was going to give it 78% awesome. 78% awesome. Right, okay. See where it goes. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Thank you for terrifying me with Three a new rating system. <laughs> um, how many pooties is that? I don't know. Oh, God. Um, Dion, go on. You rate it. I dare you. Um, <laughs> look, honestly, like, you know, starting, I didn't enjoy it. Like, this is the thing. I, just, I watched it after about three episodes. I was like, this is a bit shit. 
it doesn't really know where it is, doesn't know what is going on. And as we've sort of all agreed, once you hit episode five and it takes a dramatic turn and does mm. a complete 180, I was like, oh, wait, this is brilliant. Like, I love what they've done here. This is great. And then for the rest of the season, I'm kind of like, now that I'm a bit more familiar with everyone, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, fine. So look, uh, I wasn't into it for the first four or five episodes or four episodes and then the fifth episode got me and then the rest of it, I desperately wanted to know what was going to happen. So do I want to see season two? Yes. So that means I will give it a 75% because I do. Vacillating towards 80, maybe 80. If I hear that tip jar go, it'll go to 80. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I feel like I've been defending this. A, a lot more than I expected to. Tonight. <laughs> um, I just you know, feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bathe in it, Quinny. Bathe in it. <laughs> no. So yeah, I, I, I had. I feel like I had a similar experience to Dion, where I kind of wasn't really on board, but, but I, I think I've been much more forgiving of it because it's not my space. So you know, when when something happens that's you know a little bit not how it would happen in real life i'm like well whatever comic device i would probably feel different if it was a you know situational comedy about a documentary production room um but it's not so i was a bit more forgiving um having said that you know it wasn't again it's not something that i was like oh i must run off and tell everyone that i know to watch this because it is so wonderful um I, I had a really good time. I'm super into the characters it's now that I've watched the entire season, especially Poppy. Um, I would recommend, if you're going to give this a go, stick with a few episodes. Mm. For me, it was really episode four, um, the convention episode that just had a lot of really pertinent stuff that was very, very relatable to me in it that kind of got me really giggling um, and, you know, wanting to, like, text people lines from it and be like, lol, this is funny. Um <laughs> So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land where Dion landed somehow because I feel like I'm being much more forgiving, but I, I feel like this is an 80 for me. Mm. Okay. I'm actually going to go along with you on that one, Peter. I, for me, this is an 80. I, like, yeah, didn't enjoy it to begin with. First few episodes really struggled with and kind of had to force myself through. Hit episode five, went, oh, I want that show. And then... I feel like they, maybe the, the storytellers also kind of went, oh, well, maybe we need to tell more of that story as well or that tone and uh, kind of found their feet until by the end of it, there were beautiful moments where characters have just kind of given themselves over to the insanity and I was with them. I was like, yes, go Poppy. That's, you know, fucking great. Um, and yeah, I, would I encourage other people to see it? Uh, no. <laughs> and if they're a game developer, I'd probably be like, yeah, tell me whether it's true or not. Like, I'd love to hear from, like, uh, my, my friends, John and An Anthea and, and, and uh, Jen Shell and stuff like that. I'd love to know whether this rings true from a actual game development perspective. Um, but to me, as a, as a person who sits in the weird sort of peripherals of gaming um, and not peripherals as in like peripherals i mean the peripheral edges of gaming industry you've never used that before in your life could you that's a fake controller hang on yeah You're sorry i'm just gamer. gonna play this podcast now um <laughs> pew, pew, pew. um 
I really, I, I felt it didn't feel authentic. But then by the end of it, I think it kind of had worked out what was true or what was important for it to feel true about it. Jill. Well, pooty cuties and booties. I'm going to give it um, three out of five buttholes, just a 60. <laughs> um. I still wasn't convinced. Like, I wanted to see more about Dana and Rachel. I loved their side story. I wanted to mm. hear more about Brad and his bizarre, um, you know, way of, of dealing with money. And, you know, I really loved um, Danny Pudi's little sneaky ducktails thing yeah. that he snuck in there too because if nobody's yeah. aware, he's um, a voice actor in the, the newest series. He is um, Huey. <laughs> That's right, yeah. In um, and Sorry, that whole sequence gets a lot funnier now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> I'm like, hang on, where is he going with this? Um, yeah. But I do agree that like, by the end of it, they kind of found their footing, but I would have liked to have encountered that by at least episode three. Um, and episode five was my favourite, and I that the whole series was in that format. So I'm... I wasn't entirely convinced and I wouldn't rush to recommend it to anybody, but you know, it um, kept me busy today. <laughs> so maybe it's kind of like the American office. Like everyone agrees that the American office season one is a bit shit because they were just copying the UK. Uh, no, and I'd say it's got... more season one parks and rec because season one parks and rec is the shit. Oh, don't say those things. <laughs> now <laughs> I'm never going to watch it. Trying so. to convince I mean, it's only... <laughs> It's only six episodes, but it's really hard to get through and they struggle to find their footing. But once you get into season two, it's phenomenal. Really so maybe this will be the same season thing. Parks and Rec a bit more later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a really epic thing when we actually come to reviewing Parks and Rec. Because Look, I tried the first few episodes and then someone said, just skip season one. And I did. And it's the best decision i made it was a fantastic for a single episode watch it no i've watched everything but i skipped season one and then came back to it like i've seen a bit of it <laughs> but it's not worth watching you know what i think we should discuss more of this but we're going to discuss it in the spoiler section so i'm now just going to use my uh, controller and i'm going to oh, hit cool. x to go into the cut scene yeah thanks dad all right Chauncey gardner <laughs> Okay, everybody, welcome. This is a special extra Easter egg part of the periodic table of Awesome This Week. Now, we've been reviewing Mythic Quest, and we are talking to the one, the only, Mr. John DiMaggio. Hey, hey, there he is. Thank you very much. Right here. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. I miss you guys so much. I miss you guys so much. It has been a long time since we yeah. actually talked to you, because... Yeah. Uh, People may uh, know who've listened to the podcast for a long time. You were on the very first periodic table of awesome <laughs> podcast. I, uh, I I lent you guys a little uh, a little star power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just me. a little a little bit. And and we have been riding the wave there. of that shit since. And then. now, <laughs> only one hundred and sixty six episodes later, uh, we can finally track you down. That's all right. No, I'm cool with that. Wow, one hundred and sixty seven episodes. Yep. Yeah, this is one hundred and sixty seven. That's fantastic. That's, fantastic. Yeah, That's so great. Yeah. 
and, and it's taken us this actually no we have we've we've come back to you before because uh mm. well we've, we've we've looked at your work before we've looked at this enchantment um right right uh, and yeah. and had a bit of a look at that we also uh came and watched you doing adventure time live um a, a that's right not that long ago well that was a couple of years ago now wasn't it mm, it was a couple of years ago yeah but yeah, it was a couple years ago that was fun that was that, that I, but that that i think was the last time i was back uh back down under um yeah, yeah that was oh man but Every time was... I come hang with you guys, I have the best, have the best time. Little Jangling Jacks, come on! Yeah. Um, <laughs> they will, they will just lose their shit when they hear you say their come name on. out loud. Are you kidding me? That that bar is awesome. That DJ, forget about it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> That's an old man bar. That's an old man hip bar. Like, get out of the way. I'm so glad you said old man hip bar because I had a brief moment of going, oh, shit, it's an old man bar. It's no, not no. an old man bar. It's a cool bar. No. It's unfortunately, no, it's we, can't, cool. we haven't been able to go for a long time. Um, That's right. But, you know, so, uh, look, you know, um, what, what, what are we doing? We've just finished re um, recording our episode on Mythic Quest. And I have yeah. to say, one of the greatest things uh, that, that made the, the show... Uh, really connect with me was seeing your face yeah. <laughs> in that show because I didn't actually know beforehand and I kind of try not to read too much into shows before we see them but just to see you turn up and play a character who is you like it's not your voice it's not you're not a robot you're not someone you're not a dog yep yeah no I'm, it's just me just me doing my thing and it was funny because like you know I auditioned for it and I got it and it was really cool but they were excited like I found out later that they were excited that they had like a little bit of crossover, uh, you know, like a little bit of crossover um, stuff like with me because, because of my popularity in the video game industry and, mm -hmm. you know, in the subject matter of the show, you know, it, it, it lent it a little bit of a legitimacy, you know, I guess in it, a it, funny sort of way, you it know, gives and, it a and nice sort of, kick to have Marcus Phoenix, you know, hidden in there or right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like it's uh, you know, it's like a three-episode uh, Easter egg arc. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of pretty cool, you know. And they were really great, you know, because they're the guys who, you know, they they do. Uh, it's you know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and they're 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 funny as hell, and and it was great. And and Charlotte was great. Charlotte's awesome. She's totally cool. Yeah, you we, get we're to very proud of her. Working on the show, she's fucking great. She was such a sweetheart, and she was wonderful to work with. And, uh, and it was great yeah. to, as we said, it was great to hear a, a real Australian accent properly <laughs> by an Australian. Yeah, yeah. On a show. Any Americans? No, 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 no Americans doing any Aussie accents, please. I, I mean, there, there's what? How many seasons of uh, of Star Wars, Clone Wars, and stuff where an American is doing a weird semi-Australian, semi-New Zealandish accent, and we're all just like, oh no, please. Yeah. <laughs> You're from 15 miles, 1,500 miles out from both of us. You're in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> what is it? Mid-Atlantic? Mid Isn't that the, yeah. the, the yeah. accent? It's Mid-Atlantic. Mid, mid, mid uh, it's Mid-Pacific. Yeah. Mid-Pacific. South Pacific. <laughs> not really New Zealand, and you're not really Australian. So I guess you're... Cook in Island? Middle, in the water. <laughs> South Island. Yes. South Antarctic. Not, like, not yeah. drowning, North waving. Antarctic accent. Not drowning, that just that waving. Accent, that accent, you might as well be going... <laughs> <laughs> that should have been the entire Star Wars series. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so, so, John, you've worked a lot as a voice actor, uh, uh, like in a lot of video games. Um, 
the world of Mythic Quest that we see, how much does that kind of line up with your experience of the industry? Because, like, in that show, it's a pretty batshit crazy version of the gaming industry. Yeah, it's a very exaggerated. I'd say it's exaggerated. Right. Um, to, to, to the, you know, to the fullest, fullest extent of comedy, it is exaggerated. <laughs> um, but what's interesting is that they kind of have the, they, they, it, it looks like that. You know, those places, they look like that. Like the place they, that, that they had me working, that's what they look like. They totally look like that. And, and, and also their offices look like that. I mean, it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, I mean, sure, you get some people, some, some guys that are a little, a little bit flamboyant, um, but not their egos. Are, it's, it's not like that. Like, like, I mean, shit with the Gears of War franchise and how it started at, at, at Epic Games and, and Cliff Blazinski and he was a, he was a wonder kind and uh, made a ton of money and like literally like sold it off and like made a bunch of money. And, and I mean, like I couldn't compare cause he's like philanthropic. He's fucking producing Broadway shows and shit. Like, Oh wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. So like, you know, it's weird. Like it's not, I don't know. It's really kind of an over the top sort of, you know, yeah. Because that's, that's it. It's like it's an interesting thing that you uh, you're playing a character that I would consider against type for you, yeah. As a as a, yeah. as a person, and also you're playing a, you're playing the opposite, the sort of the polar opposite of Iron um, Grim, like right. He, here's a studio that's kind of insane and batshit crazy, and where all the comedy's coming from, and then in you roll as your character Dan Williams, who is just a really normal person who has handling real... business. Yeah, yeah. Just like, I'm just going to play it normal. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's, it's funny. Cause you know, you, you have all that information that you have, you know, the exposition in those, in the, in that dialogue, like mm. I have to, so there's no room for like, you know, Hey, I'm going to punch this up with some wacky doodles. You know, it's like, <laughs> there, there's no, you know, it's like one thing for one thing, I got to fucking remember it. So it's just like, oh, and you know me and fucking me and my fucking. <laughs> so I'm already having a tough fucking time trying to remember this fucking stuff. And it's all, it's all exposition. Holy shit. So funny. Um, no, but those guys, I mean, it, it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun and it was, it, it's funny because people tend to see me over the top and, and loud and, and gregarious and, and I have and no idea why with this, with this, with this thing, I had to play it straight. And that's really fun when I surprise people because they go, I didn't know you could calm down that much. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of my thing. I was watching it going, I haven't met that, John. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when is he going to snap? Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially with the rest of the show, you kind of feel like, is there going to be a, a moment where, where Dan suddenly snaps and you realize, hang on, no, he's just as bad as the rest. But uh, They haven't told me and who knows, they got a, they got another season coming up and they might be bringing me back. I have no idea. So we'll see what happens. So, so do you find it difficult sometimes having to kind of tone it down a little bit? Do you find yourself fighting the urge to be a little more iron and a little less Dan? <laughs> um, you know, it really takes me, it really takes me a lot to like calm down and, and, and have that. There's a lot of concentrating that I do on set. I'm kind of just like, I'm kind of just like, okay, I got to step away. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to do this. Gonna, and I, I really try to be 
as prepared as possible and not like not in like you know hey check it about that hey we're gonna shoot bang here we go man no it's it's like i'm just like trying to trying to get it right i'm trying to get it so that you know we don't have to do it again <laughs> yeah well, that's i'm trying thing, to keep, i'm trying to get the crew home you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. that's kind of it's pretty amazing. I mean, you're working with Australia's Charlotte McDowell, who, uh, you know, we haven't seen too much of her in Australia. Like, of course, an Australian has to go to America in order to get recognised. And she plays, a, like, a great character in Mythic Quest. I think she it's does. mainly about her. And her thing is she's the one who has to lose control most. And so it was a really interesting kind of opposite to see you sitting there playing the calm one against her who's just losing her mind most of the time. And I wonder, like, does that did that switch off camera? And you're like, well, actually, I'm like this way. And she's probably the real... You know, my wife, my, my wife watched and she's like, why can't you be like that with me? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just... No, listen, it's just... It's, it's funny because... Um, I don't know. It's just... It, it, I, I I guess I mean you know we just it, it just it's when you when you get offered something and they tell you to do you play it a certain way that's just like I'm not gonna I mean unless I really have a great idea to do something different then then I'm not gonna fuck with it I'm just gonna yeah, do what I'm do what I'm told and and try and just you know just lay it down. Lay it down. <laughs> Lay it down. Sorry. Was that rat? Jesus Christ. Anyway. Beautiful. So we should let you go and do your, your uh, sous vide chefing and cooking and all of that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah. I love yeah. you guys. I miss you guys. I can't wait to see you guys. We love you. Yeah. No, stop. <laughs> yeah. Hold on a second. My wife was in the room. And she just came in from the pool. And she's kind of naked. I got to go. I got to go. She's like, she's got to leave. <laughs> bye. I love bye, you, bye. guys. Bye, Johnny. Bye. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. Well, that was the one, the only John DiMaggio. And now we're going to send you right on back to more Mythic Quest. Oh. Uh are you excited about the uh, the the special coming out on May twenty second, Mythic Quest Quarantine? And do you hope that they continue that format for the rest of the season? Because season two has been greenlit. Will they call it Mythic Quest something else? Like I don't know, Blood I Ocean. <laughs> Blood I Ocean. Hope, I hope <laughs> like season two is called Blood in, Ocean. In bits and pieces. Because, yeah, like, for me, I absolutely hated everyone for the first half of the season. Then I liked some of the people for the rest of the season. But what I'm really fucking interested in is that small, tiny game development company who did a dark, quiet death. I just want to see what happened to them. I oh, my God. I like wanna... You all want a different show to what this is. I don't know why they want a straight comedy drama about game development. Why did it tease that? Why did it do this whole thing that was brilliant and beautiful? It was so fantastic. I love quirky characters with weird romances and, you know, just bizarre concepts. Maybe they'll do more of that kind of thing if, if they keep going. It might be a little bit like Community where you get feature episodes that are like yeah. blockbusters and, <laughs> and oh dear, i would enjoy community. that 
I for each season, there was like a, a, a bottle episode that explores a different aspect of game development or, or something like that. Or if the whole series was just an anthology. The, um, oh. Rob McElhenney does things like that. Um, mm. Interpretive dances an episode and d- does these kind of things as a showrunner. So that's a possibility that would be really interesting to see. Well, I like the fact that you just kind of... Like there's there's a little bit in there of being able to play around and do whatever you kind of want, and also if you've done fifteen seasons of sitcom television, you get a bit bored and you want to do just whatever. And I feel like this show kind of has it's always always seems to be on the cusp of that. Like I feel like this show is about to turn in like it's going to turn into something really radically cool, and then it always shies a bit away from it. Yeah, I mean, what they were able to what they were able to accomplish in thirty minutes in episode five, they failed to do throughout the entire remainder of the season. Yeah, it's salty, true. but yeah, it's accurate. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Like, like it's, I keep it's referencing thirty it, I'm minutes, like... and we get an entire story about a couple's life from their meet to their reuniting. And but, but I feel like they weren't trying to do that for the entire rest of the season because that's not the kind of comedy it is. It's not the kind of show it is. They, I don't mean they so just much. Given us like, this little breakout episode, which was a lovely break from. Yeah, the style. but I sort of, I, I sort of mean in terms of like character development and um, storytelling. Like, how did they manage to to fit all of that into one thirty-minute episode? But by removing all of the other characters. Yeah. yeah, it's just what it yeah. sets out to do in to the other episode. A bit of time to breathe. I always, I found that that was one of the issues I had with it as well. Is that it kept um, trying to make sure that everyone in that core cast, like you know, Iron Grim, Poppy Lee, David Brittlesby, Brad, C.W. Longbottom, Joe, you know, Rachel, all had a line or something to do in each and every episode related to whatever they were doing. Yeah, and that to me was where I say it was getting bumpy. Like, I'm like, I don't really know if I want to follow these people or I have to follow them in every episode. Yeah. You know, sometimes it works really well. Like, I think, you know, for, for, for shows like that, I look at Silicon Valley and that's Mike Judge, but Mike Judge has been doing this for decades and mm-hmm. he knows how to write a good comedy that makes you follow, want to follow through with characters and lets them breathe. In this one, it just felt like everyone was, desperately trying to get that hook into people so that's surprising though considering that the team behind this comes from one of the longest running sitcoms in tv history and it's got 15 seasons and they started making it in 2005 like they obviously know something about writing sitcoms and i think that silicon Silicon valley i don't i don't feel like it's a fair comparison because it's a completely different style of storytelling to this it's it's a different kind of comedy it's a different underdog sort of thing, but I still think it's more of like the small team aspect. Like, uh, I think that they're com- comparable because you've got in Silicon Valley, it is a small team of developers going up against, you know, the world. In this one, it's kind of, they're the other way around. We are the world looking out. We are the children. Yeah, yeah. Kind of going, <laughs> you know, uh, and the people within that structure, you know, is is interesting. Um, I just was... I got a bit frustrated with it because I was like, oh man, so much gold ready to be mined out of all of this. But for some reason, you're just shying away from it slightly. Okay. We are in spoiler territory now, so we can talk <laughs> about stuff with with impunity. So what did we think of the whole sort of question of parentage and the whole 
question like this is deep spoiler stuff but mm. the whole question of the the father narrative i didn't give um, a fuck i, I love it. it i didn't think it needed it i love <laughs> the, what the pretty shoe wife i love her i did i did not give a fuck about the whole kid son beauty shoe whatever nah. the fuck you're talking about uh because it would have just been better for him to be a shit and not have yeah it's kind of, exactly what is it it's not it's the skywalker narrative it's like why is he gonna be a rich famous kid <laughs> like mm. is it his bloodline do dicks just get to rule the world oh wait maybe <laughs> <laughs> Do you so, just get to be a rich dick and then suddenly everything falls in your place? So, so ju- just to, to go through one by one in terms of Dion didn't work for you? No. Jill didn't work for you? No. Like I could see what they were trying to do. They went with that masked knight and then the other person and trying to build that story of, oh, and that's their father. And then they tried to circle it back with, oh, and Iron is Pooty Shoe's dad. I'm like, it it kind of felt like it was thrown in last minute. There was nothing that alluded to that relationship um, throughout the series when they were dealing with Pootie Shoe. So, uh, no, didn't dig it. Okay, Peter, I, I dig or, or not dig? Tell me about your shovel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I could have taken it or left it. It didn't bug me, but, like, you know, I, I was really more interested in what was going on with Poppy at that time. So mm. to, to me, it was a it was a, a side plot that was doing, you know, what was happening with Poppy and, and the other job and her feelings about um, how she was being treated in that workplace. I, I didn't, you know, I was like, eh, I can, you know, clever how they had circled that around, but... I guess I didn't care that much about that particular part of the plot at that point to really have a strong opinion on it. Okay, and Phil? Look, I had fun with it. I liked um, the ex-wife and how she sidles up to Poppy in the car and goes, listen, I bet you think you know what's going on, but let me tell you. Because she doesn't give a fuck about Iron and his celebrity and his ridiculousness. He's just some video game-making guy to her. He's not an important person he's just a dick he's Um, somebody who is not paying his child child support um, (laughs) i like that she takes it upon herself to warn a younger woman away from somebody who is a really ridiculous personality and even though she has the wrong end of the stick and they're not in a romantic relationship they are in a very codependent and somewhat abusive relationship so i thought that that was interesting and um i wouldn't have expected that you know, like they're attempting a big reveal here and a twist and I wouldn't have expected them to suggest or allude to that any earlier in the series because then where's the twist? And I think it's definitely arguable how effective um, and exciting a twist it is, particularly if we, we don't necessarily care about what happens to Iron. We don't like him. The sympathetic no. protagonist here is Poppy at the moment. Iron's a tool. And so we're not really invested in things working out for him or, you know, him winning. <clears throat> Um, because he's such a tit. So it makes it difficult to care about it in an emotional sense. But I liked it narratively that, you know, here's this problem of your own, you know, literal making and progeny. And it brings us back to the question of internally embedded people promoting a game or otherwise, and what are their motivations? Because weirdly enough, it is still a very small industry with a lot of incestuous connections between the people who make this stuff. And if you were to think about like how Dana is treated 
um, and outed when she is seen as being an insider within um, Mythic Quest and therefore she is untrustworthy and stuff like that. Think how much it would turn on Pudishu if it had been revealed that Ian is his dad for the whole fucking time that he has yeah. been shilling Mythic Quest and it would destroy the kid too. In ad revenue and sponsorships and all the rest of it, like this guy's this 14-year-old or however, however mm. old he is, is a millionaire. Yeah. So I thought that that was narratively quite interesting. I like yeah. it. Just went down, landed fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was just an interesting one because there were there were so many disparate opinions straight away of going, nah, didn't like it, or yes, I really did it. Um, <laughs> I have to yeah. say there was one thing that I was very relieved about in spoiler territory, and that's to find out that Ian's name is actually Ian. <laughs> <laughs> wrong about that name this entire time. Like yep. Ian, Ian Grimm just doesn't have the same ring as Iron Grimm. Uh, <laughs> are we original three, the only ones old enough to know about Iron's earring from Beverly Hills 90210? Oh, hell no. Oh, no, everyone knows about Iron's earring. Jill, Peter? No? Okay, no. so this oh. is a celebrity from... Oh, God, I do feel old now. ...who insisted that... Or, and, ...and continues to insist that his name is, in fact, Iron. Iron. <laughs> and and honour that. Yeah, Definitely even though he's Iron. now appeared in multiple Sharknado movies. Oh, yes. that guy! Yes. Guy. <laughs> no, the guy oh, from 90210. No. What are you talking about? This is. Just... I know that he was from 90210. I didn't realize that he was going by Iron. Iron's earring. Uh, uh, oh, Look, I mean, I, I, I found that like while I was watching it, because they did a lot of those, you know, the interstitials and the cuts and the little things mm. that they were using, they were actually using the Ubisoft engine and they were doing direct riffs on Ubisoft properties, yeah. which. I know that it sounds a little bit like, oh, you're just you're just making shit up, but do you know how difficult it would be to actually take stuff from games and get game companies to agree to put oh, exactly. that cutting footage? Yeah. So we well. sort of really understand how they've they've used it and you look at it and you go, that's definitely Ubisoft game engine that's mm -hmm. making those little cutscenes. Um and it feels weird because you feel like it is a little bit of that shield problem, but also it's totally understandable because I'm sure that they wanted to use everything from pac-man to fucking tomb raider to anything but they just realized that their legal department would probably be tied up in trying to get that produced i also guess Raider. i had a slight concern that i couldn't work out what the kind of game was that they are making if it's an mmorpg or if it was yeah, yeah. like it's is it world of warcraft, warcraft. it's basically world of warcraft. the biggest ever mmorpg Right. So, yeah, it's basically World of Warcraft. But as well. it was—it was actually real hard to figure out what it was. I think you're right, Quinny, because it didn't have a consistent kind of thing without actually mm. having to make a game to understand how that's played. Yeah, I didn't really know what it was either. Is it a crafting game? Is it a first-person game? Is it a third-person game? Is it? A yeah. Shoot? Is it a yeah, leader? like it Is looked it like a, a Skyrim kind of thing. To me. Yeah. At times, except, and then yeah. at other times, yeah. it looked very much like a World of Warcraft. And then mm. in some of those cutscenes, it looked very God of War. And you're like, yeah, okay, cool. Well, there was even first-person fighting scenes in it. When I was like, this is this is. It doesn't strange. really have to exist. That's the fun thing about fiction. I clocked none of this. <laughs> 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 and how many? But this this is perhaps what pulled me out is because I I did have that thing immediately of going, I don't know what kind of game you're making here, and I'm not entirely sure whether you know you as a team know what and therefore how realistic is it that you are mocapping 
um, your fight sequence with your shovel. Mm. Um, and how, where are the hundreds of coders that are, and the idea that somebody had just programmed a shovel that was something that could actually affect the entire battleground of the world by themselves. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Cause that's fucking mm. hardcore code and things yeah. like that just pulled me out of the believability of it a bit. Yeah. And I mean, look, the game is like the, the game that they're talking about is, is uh, really the secondary character. You really oh. wanting this to, to do that stuff, but also it needs to be supported, supported in a way that is believable. Um, I did like I agree. when they introduced the casino though because it was like, oh, it was like this is clearly man, does not belong in here <laughs> no that, well that's that's the thing and I mean and there was also that lo lovely long explanation especially after with like oh well, you don't need me anymore okay then I'm just gonna leave I'm gonna Bye. turn off the money you know, I'll turn the money off and then just see what happens and just walks off and then it's and having a that? sword that costs a quarter of a million dollars that was I, I did like that one, and then, but then that, that led into one of the darkest moments in the series, where his re, his yeah. thing was, I, I don't want to just take people's money. I want to take the last cent from somebody who can't afford it. And you're like, you yeah, are. I'm not targeting billionaires. I'm targeting people that have no life savings. That's what brings him joy. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> He's like beyond beyond Scrooge McDuck. Like this is just yeah. <laughs> It's Sorry, just, so yeah. you said something underneath, Jill, and I didn't hear it. Just that we know those people are out there, that they, the stereotypical character that, what does Danny Pudi call himself, the evil Indian Polish <laughs> bunny guy, <laughs> um, that there are people who are motivated by that exact kind of... How else do all of these pay-to-play apps, you know, exist that... that that are designed like poker machines to pull people in and then get them to buy and, and yeah. buy and buy. So there, there did seem to be kind of an element of, of exaggerated uh, truth to that philosophy. When I think about it, like when I, when I go back and think about the whole season, like I think there's some, some good overall narratives that I that made a little bit more sense watching it as a whole. Like, this whole thing how the game is dynamic like unlike a lot of other industries there is constant management of the product that you're putting out so and something we forgot to talk about was the community manager and the feedback system and all of that like oh. earlier yeah i know like i don't but i just the one the point i wanted to make is is like how much that uh the game developers are at the mercy of the fan base and about how much internally that's a representation of how much the management don't know how to manage the people doing that who are under constant state of, of fluctuation and, and things. So like, you know, you've got that thing, like uh, they want the masked man to be revealed. So they cave, basically cave to the pressure of having to reveal who the masked man is um, by writing that in. Like, they don't know what it is. They fucking, you know, try to come up with all the bunch of different um, ideas and then just come back down to the fact that it's fucking Star Wars. It's just Star Wars. They'll be like, it's, I'm your father, you know, kind of reveal. And they're like, oh, it's so great, wonderful. And then on the in the real world, like the management side, when everything's going to hell and they don't know what the fuck's going on, they have to fire people. They're like, hey, but we have an ice cream machine. 
<laughs> so we're not going to give you any more money that you want to in you because you've all walked off the job but we will put on ice creams tuesdays you know <laughs> they just it's all very reactive and it seems to be a good metaphor for mm. how, how their games industry is unlike anything else I, exactly I like would everything like else. To, <laughs> Sorry, Peter. <laughs> um, I, I mean, kind of adjacent to that point and, and the poor customer um, so uh, facing uh, oh, character. Um, episode four, In the, the convention episode, um, in a very, very admittedly heavy-handed way, but it, it um, very obviously explored um, issues particularly to do with women in this kind of workplace uh, and also particularly women of colour on top of that in this kind of workplace. Um, and there was there's something about just seeing that talked about, even if it's heavy-handed, that I kind of really enjoyed um, because I, I kind of just felt like that was heavy-handed, but I feel like it can't be subtle at this stage yes. just yeah. to make that point right now. Yeah. Um, I agree with you, Pete. I really liked the episode where they brought the little, you know, group of girl, girls who code, um, the, the school girls through to meet the women in gaming. And mm. Poppy wasn't there at the time, so they couldn't meet her. So they went around frantically looking for any other women. And those women, it's really representative of what the games industry looks like. There are no older women or very few older women There's in There's a game. line that Benny Pudi has. Twenty. Um, one, because there weren't jobs and you could not get them and it was really too difficult. So then there are younger women like Poppy and even younger ones that are in administration and service roles in the industry. So they work in video games, but they're not in the executive producing or making part still. And there's this amazing line at one point where um, one of the team does look to the little girls and says, See, you got what? here's what you've got to do working in gaming. Turn around and look at the girl next to you look at her she's not your friend she's your competition you have to kill her i mean not your friend actually right now but the woman next to you in the room because the way that um industries that aren't diverse and don't have decent gender representation work is that they tend to set up very few women against each other for the one women's role it's sort of like how you've only got like one princess layer and everybody is trying to compete to be her and nobody actually gets the job to be Han Solo. Like there just isn't the space for you to edge your way in. And I thought that, that was extremely astute to uh, raise that in that way and that it was done effectively. But at the same time in the scenes running alongside that, you have um, uh, the, the characters at the convention looking for a new representative and, and Danny Pudi throwing out some really classic lines that, again, very obviously outline the stereotypes. And I think one of them was, there are no women over 40 in gaming and that's a fact. Like, <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> and another one was, oh, nobody will believe she's a gamer. She's too hot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, again, it's, it's not my space, but I'm adjacent to the space and mm. it's just all very, like, you know, heavy-handed, I but... Let's but in a, in a world where the the loudest voice gets heard, we need to scream as mm. women. And I think that was probably a really successful episode in regards to that. Okay. And I, I feel like that's the one episode where the, um, uh, what's the name, the, the assistant character. Joe. Um, jo. and, and Joe and, and her space in the comedy of that episode. I think it's the only episode she really worked for me. Um, because again, the way she 
played off her boss and yeah you know, I'm just here to do what I'm told yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that actress whose name I'm sorry I forgot Jesse Ennis. Jesse Ennis is the actress's name Jesse Ennis, Ennis. Yeah. great job as the Fruit Loop gender traitor. Well, gender um, traitor and also like <laughs> class traitor. You know that she is actually Midwestern, like Trump supporter, um, like absolutely buys the Republican line. Like there's yeah. an episode where the they're, they're going, yeah, yeah. There's a point where they're going through all of the people that they have to ban from the game for it to be even if they ban Nazis. <laughs> and every line that is on that thing, there, there's, you know, SJWs, other things and stuff like that, all of them, and you go, I know exactly which ones she insisted upon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great she's, little female character, isn't it? She's, yeah. she's great. And, and one of the characters that I do love is uh, also in that episode with the, the girl coders, they go downstairs and they meet Sue, who is the, the face, who, who is the front-facing, public-facing a community management person and that she puts on a magnificent show of by, by facing like i love the fact that yeah like she doesn't actually face anyone but she is the person that you that receives all of the complaints yeah. but, so but that moment where everyone you. says hey uh like, tell us what you do and she says, i talk to people all day and they tell me what they think of the game and it's amazing and they're like i really want your job and she's like no no. <laughs> no, don't, don't oh, run, no, go. No. no, you don't. And you're like, my heart goes out to all of those community managers, especially any that might happen to be listening to this. I don't know how they do it. For I mean, I work oh, yeah. in community management, obviously not in games a great deal, and it's such a shocking <laughs> cesspit of a place to um, witness how people behave. And what I have witnessed from the gaming community is truly horrendous. So yeah. I really. <laughs> I love how they handled that Nazi episode. Sorry, Julia. Oh, no, I was just going to say, Sue, she um, has a Minnesotan accent, which is America's <laughs> closest thing to a Canadian. So, of course, you're going to put the friendliest person you can in that role. And especially yeah. down in the basement. And it's like, yeah. oh, my class doesn't seem to work. I can't seem to get the lift up. It's like, oh, we'll look into that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I just like the, um, that whole, the way that they handled that Nazi episode. Um, so as I was saying, sometimes there's some really good storylines that have yeah. been kind of, they just don't seem to flow or connect in, in the way that the characters work because it was great. It was wonderful that they, the way that they figured out how to get rid of all the white supremacists and Nazis in your game yeah. is to shine a light who, on them. Yeah, find out who they are, log all of their accounts and put them on in their own tiny little space <laughs> that they can have where all they get the to Nazi do server. is yeah. you, just get to, you just get to echo chamber. And every time someone turns out to be a Nazi, they just get added to that server yeah. and they all echo chamber themselves. And eventually they realize that they just kill each other. Like that was the funniest thing. They're interesting killing each other. Journey through that episode because you are literally watching it going, you fucking idiots, you are doing everything wrong. You are feeding the fire. You are making things worse. Mm. And I can so easily see how a company could do that. You know, yeah. you know, if you don't get to play out the long game, everything you do up until that point looks really fucking dumb. Um, no company's doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say for a show, since it's about time to wrap up, for a it show is. that none of you guys reckoned you particularly enjoyed and thought maybe wasn't going 
all that well and maybe there were too many characters except for you all rated it more highly than me you wanted to see more from those characters and and know more about their backstory and um thought that a lot of the comedy was handled pretty well and decently written um it's a ferrari that's been glued together with with like crazy glue and gaff tape like all the right pieces are there I just need it to be have a bit of crafting, putting it like putting it together properly. Yeah, I, I, you know? and I do. I feel you on that, and I, I don't think you're wrong. But I think because you're so close to the space, and and if it's your space, it, it is exciting to have something about your space um, that maybe you want it to be more than it needs to be for a, a, a broader audience. Um, you know, necessarily. Mm. I don't mind that there's not uh, a, a major overarching plot or storyline that, that drives through this, like something like Silicon Valley, which is very clearly about, you know, we have one goal that's going to go over the whole season and each episode is an obstacle to that goal and that's the comedy. I, I don't mind that every episode is a new is a new, you know, piece of the story that, that isn't necessarily connected to a broader narrative. Television comedy is allowed to do that sometimes if it's a particular kind of comedy. Um, but I do agree with you guys that, you know, I'd love to see more of these characters um, and I'd love, you know, them to have the space to, to do more with this than they have. And I, I think that you guys are, are frustrated that, they've got such a good space to play with and they haven't done more with it yet. Mm. I think that's the key there, yet. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Like, yeah. Where it'll go If they can polish two. it more for season two, then I'll be on board. Like, I'll give the yeah. first episode a go and hopefully, yeah, it has learnt from the first season, for sure. So the it first thing a- that we're going to see on May 22 is the special quarantine episode filmed entirely on iPhones and then hopefully we'll catch season two of this on Apple. Uh, next year. Yes, definitely. I'm kind of it's supposed about to. That. Yeah, yeah, it has been renewed, so it is going to mm. come. But whether or not they can start filming again is. Well, if the post-credit scene on the final episode is anything to go by, that could be a a hint at what we're going to see in this quarantine episode. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm excited. Look, I, I said I, I I liked it enough because I don't think it's delving into the Big Bang Theory kind of comedy, uh, and I do want to watch more. So I can't really say it's bad. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to wrap it up there. Yes. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure, as always. If you have seen Ravens, a uh, Ravens Quest, Mythic Banquet. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> The mythical raven banquet quest of um, the, the dinner party of birds, um, <laughs> the, the, the shovel of raven quest. I don't know if you've seen it and you have blood ocean it, dinner party. Blood, God, I hope not. Um, feel free to write into us uh, info at the periodic table of awesome.com. Um, let us know. We love your feedback. We love it um, when you write on the Facebook you love us when you talk to us because we like hearing from you. Absolutely. And if you are listening, uh, prepare for next week, uh, mm-hmm. our next show. You can come, please, we, we encourage you to come and talk to us about your comfort watching. We're going to talk about comfort watching. So yeah. get your doona and your pillow and your, your you know, favourite snuggie and your cup of hot cocoa and come <laughs> chat, to, chat to us about what you, we should watch when we're in this trying time together. 
In these trying times. <laughs> In these trying times. God, everything is a trying time. Good night. I have been Fel. I've been Peter. I've been Jill. I've been Dion. And I have been Quinny. And we have been the periodic table of us. You can't give up. We're like the Beatles. <laughs> Together, we make masterpieces. I could write the lyrics and the music and everything, but it would sound completely different without the drums. Wait, I'm Ringo? Well, yeah. Of course you're Ringo. I mean, look, somebody's got to keep the beat. Oh, my God! At least you brought me breakfast. Oh, this is mine. It's prescription. A prescription bagel? Legally, you're actually not allowed to ask me about Whatever. it. Thanks for listening to the Periodic Table of Awesome podcast. If you have questions, please email info at theperiodictableofawesome.com. Find us on our website, www.theperiodictableofawesome.com, where there's links to our iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Until next time, stay awesome.